And now, enjoy this free JZO Modcast show. Welcome. Welcome to a brand new episode of My Public Life as an American Nerd. Guys, season seven. I'm honored to be here. This is my second season that I'm doing it. So I just, you know, I couldn't be more thrilled to be back with all y'all. I missed all you guys. Um, it's been a few weeks. We've went on a hiatus in February. Haven't done these in a couple months. Just kind of, you know, kind of let the the seasons go as they need to go. And this is our first week back. Um, so thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for checking out the show. I'm really, really excited about today's show. So we have, listen, since we've been gone, there's been a lot of stuff going on. Right? Like there's been news, there's been, you know, we just had CinemaCon this past week, a lot of good stuff coming out of there. Uh, we've had some, uh, you know, one of our favorites here, Mr. James Gunn, is directing his own Superman movie. Um, there's a lot to talk about there, a lot to unload there. But we're not going to talk about that today. Um, what we're going to do today, I have a couple amazing guests that I'm going to introduce in a second. But what we're, we're going to do today is we are just going to talk about some of the cool things that we've experienced in 2023 for the first time. So it could be stuff that was released in 2023. It could be things that were released, you know, in the 1980s, you know, it could be Star Wars. If it's your first time seeing Star Wars and you just experienced it this year, that would count too. We all have very lists. We all have awesome lists. Um, and of course, by we, by we, let me introduce my guest today. Um, so of course, joining me pretty much as per usual, which I love and Christian, thank you so much for being here with me. Every, I feel like you're like the honor. You're I'm, like I'm the Robin to your Batman. You're the Robin. I like that a lot. I'm always happy to be here. I've got your back, Kevin. I appreciate that, man. And I'm always happy to have you. And you know, you're always welcome. And and um, yeah. So of course you're joining me today. And of course today we have from the host of the Cinemas podcast joining us today. It's been a while since he's been on. Y'all know him. Y'all has heard his voice, Mr. Brandon Treadway. How you doing today, sir? I'm doing good. I'm always glad to be back here. Dude, always. I know it's always I always love having you. You always have great insight into a lot of cool things. And um and I really appreciate you guys being here to do this today. Um <clears throat> Before we jump into it, just make sure, you know, a couple of shameless plugs, make sure you like and subscribe to this podcast, leave a comment, let us know how we're doing, um, follow us on social media, uh, and sharing, sharing the episodes always, always help us get, you know, us in front of more ears and stuff like that. Um, and if you guys have any recommendations, any, anything, please feel free to hit me up. Let me know, uh, let us know, you know, on the episode when it releases, uh, please feel free to leave a comment and let us know how you guys feel about the episodes. Um, so, yeah, so I think what I think we should do is really, we should just jump right into it. Um, so Christian, I'm going to let you start. I want, we're going to start from the bottom. We're going to work our way up to number one. We're going to start at number five. So Christian, what is your Number five most favorite thing that you've experienced in 2023 so far. Really quickly before I get to it, I want to just put in like an honorable mention. Um, I, I didn't add it to the list because it's not something that I've done for the first time, but I very much have been doing a lot lately. 
Um, it's less entertainment, I guess you could say, but uh, figure drawing. I've been doing that a lot. Oh, nice. Again, um, there's a lot of uh, other things happening in my life that's that's bringing me to this, but it's been really good for me, very therapeutic. Um, that's awesome, man. But uh, it's it's good. It's a good place for me to just, it's, I feel at peace. Like it's the one place where I can just feel like I let go of everything. Um, mm-hmm. And then I'm just zoned in and then I'm just around like-minded people and we're all kind of on the same, on the same uh, mission to improve. So I think that's why I love Dude, it. That's so awesome. Uh, as far as this though, my number <laughs> five is the Mandalorian season three um, hot take. Cause I know that not everybody feels the same way about the season of the Mandalorian. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I think the Mandalorian I think a lot of people, and and, and I don't know, I, I maybe I'll just speak for myself. Uh, their views on the Mandalorian might have changed in uh, a post-Andor world that we're living in now. Um, our expectations of of Star Wars might be a little bit different, knowing that like, wait, we can get this now. Um, and I get that. So maybe coming back to the Mandalorian might feel like, oh, this feels hokey now compared to what we got with Andor. <laughs> um, but I still love it. I still love it. It's a it's a different love that I have for Mandalorian than than I have for Andor, uh, but also just being uh, some like a diehard Clone Wars fan. I just I love the direction that the Mandalorian is going. I love all the Bo-Katan stuff. Um, I love uh, the reclaiming of Mandalore. Um, I love what they're doing with Grogu. I'm, I'm I also feel like this season is more focused than it's been ever. Um, I always thought that the Mandalorian was like the adventure of the week, kind of like a serial thing. We're like, oh, like it's a quest and like you've got to do a lot of things to get to one point. But I feel like this season has been so much more cohesive than it's been the past two seasons before this. Um, There are all it's not perfect. It's not a perfect season. You know what I mean? I'm still happy to watch it. Um, I think a lot of things have become uber clear. You told me one time or yeah, we went to um, what was it? Emerald City. Mm-hmm. And you met um, the double, like Pedro Pascal's. Double. Oh yeah, uh, Brandon and, Wayne. Yeah, and you were like, "Oh, he mentioned that he was always the one on set, and Pedro's never there." And I was like, "That's not right. That can't be right." And then, like, it kept. I kept thinking about it, and I'm like, "Wait, <laughs> that has to be right. Like, like yeah. that's the only way. Like, that is the way because that's how mm-hmm. else would you know they can make it affordable, um, yeah. and like you know, still have him attached but not have him have to pay him like a sag." Right, exactly. You know what I mean. So, uh, but yeah, I I do. I'm I'm really loving it. I love Katie Sackoff. I'm 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 really happy for her in this season, and I'm glad that that's the direction that they're going. Curious to see where they're going with this because it ended very specifically. So, um, but yeah, I'm on I'm on episode three of the Mandalorian season three. Oh yeah, okay. I've I've not finished it yet. Um, so. You know, you're spoiling everything. I'm just kidding. Sorry. I mean, so, I, I mean, mean I'm on Twitter. I am very deep in Star Wars Twitter. I just what you talked about with the Andor. Like, I have this Andor hangover mm-hmm. where it's like I like it. Like Andor, like broke me. Yeah. Where it's like it was so good, and I felt like emotionally moved almost every single week, mm-hmm. especially with that finale. Oh my God. That made me say like, this is what star Wars can do to me. And I hadn't felt that since the last Jedi. And so to like, kind of go back to the Mandalorian after and knowing that Boba Fett had essentially wiped the season two finale of Mandalorian. It Mm -hmm. felt like, like my poor mom, my mom only watched. So my mom loves star Wars. Oh no. 
She has only she had never watched Book of Boba Fett, but she really likes Mandalorian and she really loved Andor. So she watched season two and then she watches season three and she called me and was like, what is going on with this? Sean? Like, did I miss like episode or something? Was there another season? And I was like, why, why are you asking? And she's like, because like, I, like, I swear that didn't like Luke come and take like Grogu away. I was like, oh yeah. So in this other show, here's what happened. And she's like, oh, why, how come they didn't even say that? How come I didn't know why'd that happen in a different show? I'm like, Hey, you're wrong person to ask. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, yeah. there are other people out there making that decision. So I think I think the book about Fett situation uh, hurt in general. I think the initial like interest in coming back to Mandalorian for me as well. So, um, but you putting it on your five makes me excited to to finish it. It's it's a lot of fun. It, it was a lot of fun, but yeah, it, it it was a little bit. I I felt like after coming back to it. I mean, you probably feel the same way, but like coming back to it after Andor was. Um, Cause yeah, I, I think like every episode of Andor, I think everything after the third episode, like the fourth episode, fifth, boom, 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 boom. It was just like, it just kept topping itself. I think we got really lucky last year. Cause I felt the same way about house of the dragon. Like every episode was the best episode. Every episode that yeah. came out, I'm like, that was better than the last one. That was the best <laughs> of the season. And I felt the I... same way about Andor. I still stick to like, I think the second to last, the, the, ugh, um, there's a big monologue from two major characters. That's my favorite episode of the whole thing. Uh, but the finale is like beautiful. Um, without Feel free to, oh, oh, for Mando or uh, for Andor. Uh, oh my and gosh. You could talk about Andor. I haven't finished. I haven't finished it, but I, I don't know when I'll be able to, to be 100% honest with you. I, I'm, I, I'm... I, I, I cried in the funeral monologue. Yeah. Like same. it was so moving, particularly yeah. given the combination of, you know what the show was doing where it was simultaneously commenting on the status like the state of things in the Star Wars universe and then also not even i mean obviously intentionally but not blatantly also commenting on the status of things in our society mm-hmm. like that is where like those same things were being spoken were the same things i felt and that's like that stuff just gets to me so yeah it's it's so much of it i i think Andor just fired on all cylinders. It was the directing, the writing, the acting. Like everybody just came correct. Like everybody was ready yeah. for this. Tony Gilroy, my God, man, that guy is. Oh my I cannot wait for season two. Like yeah. usually, when something is this good, I'm 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 terrified of a follow up because I feel like how do you follow something up like this? I still kind of feel that way about Into the Spider Verse, and I'm kind of a little scared about that sequel. But like with Andor, like they did such a good job. I'm like how. They know exactly what they're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? I think they they know how lucky they are to be a part of it and to be contributing. So I really appreciate it. That being said, it made it, you know, I, I personally put Andor as like one of the top Star Wars anything. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I'll I totally up, agree. Yeah, I'd put it up there against, um, you know, Empire Strikes Back. I'd put it up there against like how much I love Clone Wars. It doesn't matter. Like I'd put it up there. And I used to think that same way about the Mandalorian. And now, you know, Mandalorian is great and all. Um, and I still like really adore it, but I don't know that I put it on like the yeah. upper echelon of, of Star Wars stuff. But that being said, I, I did really, really enjoy it. Um, if I'd never seen Andor, I think I would have just been like, that was amazing. 
Um, so, but yeah, it's still great. Still great. Cool. Awesome. Brandon, what's your number five? Let's keep the good vibes going with Star yeah. Wars here. Um, <clears throat> now it's only been out as we record this. It's only been out for, you know, a little bit longer than 36 hours, but oh. um, I'm a couple hours deep into Star Wars Jedi Survivor and I'm already putting it on my top five. Nice. <clears throat> yes. It's a combination of things. Uh, one is that I consistently only play two video games. <laughs> uh, I, I really don't have a ton of time, you know, as a father of three with you know right. a bunch of stuff going on, side projects. Um, you know, when I do play video games, it's either Halo or Smite. Those are the two games I play. Um, and I generally allow kind of a, a space for a third game, whether it be you know, that's generally like a single player campaign. Um, so like Elden Ring or Red Dead Redemption or you know, oh, anything yeah. like that. Right now, it's Jedi Survivor, which just came out. Like I said, I'm only a few hours into this thing. and I'm already putting it in my top five. This game. Now, I, I love the first. Like, I think that the very the first um, uh, Jedi Fallen Order is a very, very good game. Um, after all of the great games that we got in the 2000s and then the kind of bungling of the <clears throat> EA deal with oh, yeah. the first Battlefront, which is terrible. Mm-hmm. Uh, Battlefront 2, which ended up being a game that was worth playing. Like 100%. it was a game that like it was worth, you know, on a Tuesday night with your buddies, like online, you know, crack open some some drinks and, <laughs> you know, like play some Xbox with your buddy online, right? Like that was a fun game eventually once it got past its PR issues. But by that point, I was really concerned about Fallen Order, but that ended up being a really great game and a really kind of like immersive game. Jedi Survivor, I'm telling you, a few hours into this game surpasses this first game in every single category. Oh, nice. The story, the the flow of the narrative, again, I'm not super far into it, but the flow of the narrative feels more immersive. And I feel like I'm seeing a, a part of Star Wars that I've not really gotten to see yet, which is kind of like, um, I, I'm 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 wary of even saying too much, but, um, yeah. Suffice to say, I have not seen this specific angle of the of Sagarera and the rebellion and that kind of stuff. Um, this game <laughs> so far is doing everything that a good sequel should do. It keeps all of the elements that work from the first game. But every one of the minor issues that I had with the first game already have been fixed. Everything that I had an issue with, this game feels like the Halo 2 to Fallen Order's Combat Evolved. Like, that's the kind of improvement we're seeing here. The gameplay is smooth. There's new equipment. Again, that's kind of the Halo 2 vibe where there's new elements that are added into this game that at first I was like, is this going to be too much? And already I'm like, oh, wow, this like changes movement. This changes how I can attack. This changes how I am approaching certain areas. There's also a little bit are, more maneuverability. Are we talking about the blaster? Game. Is that what you're talking about? With- so I haven't even gotten to the blaster yet. I'm oh, okay. mainly talking about there's like a grappling gun that you have now that kind of like changes movement. And now there's a certain sense of verticality that's added Ooh. Again, that that goes back to Titanfall and, you know, because mm-hmm. Respawn also did Titanfall and like the movement in this game just feels more uh, unique. 
cut to the combat. This is the most immersive and fluid combat with a lightsaber I have ever witnessed in a video game, period. That's what I've heard. I've heard that they nailed it. Yeah, that first. So I, I got past the first boss battle and like the perfect, like, like Dark Soulsy combination of like, wow, this is a really tough boss battle and you have to like time your parries really well. And but again, it feels so good. And this one, you get to change your stances and there is unique benefits and disadvantages to changing your stance now. Whereas in the first game, it was kind of like all depending on how cool it looked. Like, do you want to have a double sided lightsaber? Do you want to have single sided? Do you want to go dual sabers? This one, it's like if you go double sided, your defense increases, but your off your offense and defense like that you have different kind of like meters that show the values that are changing depending on how you want to fight um yeah this uh is insanely good you know for the few hours that i've played so much so that i have to put it already in in my top five of the year yeah That's I, very cool. i'm excited to hear that i i did really really enjoyed uh or enjoy the first game i played the crap out of it i think that just also came out at the perfect time because there wasn't like other big games that were clamoring for my attention um mm-hmm. i also like one of my little prized possessions i have oh Kelsa, there you go lightsaber um love this thing this is from the person's of the bend if it's all broken uh which is super cool i love That's this cool. thing so much it's so heavy it could beat somebody to death with this without <laughs> igniting it um but yeah i'm excited to see and i love that little trailer that they have with mark hamill that that thing is just amazing. oh yeah that was yeah that, that was, was really funny. funny yeah yeah well, cool. Well, yeah, I really want to play that. Um, I know Eli, my son, he really, really mm-hmm. loved the first one. I mainly just watched him play the first one, and um, he loved it, and it looked amazing. I just never got around to playing it. Um, and Brendan, same as you, I don't have much time to play games or anything, but when mm-hmm. I do, you know, I really have to kind of find that really special hook. And and now, a lot of the times, I'm playing a lot of games on the Switch, right? Because it's easier. Like, I don't have to worry about... My kids are a little bit older now, so, like, they're off kind of doing their own thing. I don't have to take up the TV with a um, PlayStation or whatever. Um, so, I've been playing a lot of Switch. Um, my number five is actually going to be a video game as well. It's um, the Metroid Prime Remaster, which I thought was absolutely stunning absolutely incredible it, they rebuilt it from the ground up i don't know if you guys play the original metroid prime but it was kind of a new a new era for obviously not just metroid but kind of gaming in general like it that did, was the it, first person shooter yeah the first person shooter and yeah. i i'm not even a huge fan of first person shooters if i'm being honest with you but there's some games that really 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 kind of hooked me with their story and i've been like a lifelong metroid fan um this game puts you in obviously of the shoes of Samus in like a really cool, really immersive way. Uh, the engine that they use for this one just enhances everything tenfold. Like it, it's absolutely gorgeous. It feels like a brand new game. Like I remember like when they announced it, they released it on the same day. I was a little iffy about, you know, even spending, I think it was, it was only like 40 bucks. So I was, which isn't that expensive for a brand new game, but I was still a little iffy because I'd already played it and I wasn't sure if it was worth it, but I bought it completely worth it. Uh, The story, there really isn't too much to the story, but it's done in such like an epic big way that it feels like there's more story than there is, if that makes sense. Um, and they just they nail it 
they nailed it 100 percent um i think <clears throat> excuse me um like i said what you kind of don't get in story you get in gameplay you get in action it's super it's not too challenging but it's not too easy either it's one of those games that kind of just is perfect for anyone to kind of get their foot in the door especially if they want to play first person shooters like this is kind of the perfect game to really kind of get your toes wet you know your feet wet with that and to get in there and to just really play a really fun sci-fi um you know it reminds me a lot of alien which is really cool um just samus's arc in general over the years as she has a real really really cool kind of like ripley type vibe which i've always loved and respected um <clears throat> but yeah uh so metroid prime remaster is my number five it's an incredible game uh and like i said it's not too expensive either it's one of those really affordable nintendo switch games that especially if you're playing it for the first time highly highly recommend it if you've already played it uh it's going to feel like a whole new experience and a whole new game for you so certainly check that out so that's my number five pick um can i ask you guys a question really really quickly when you guys are playing video games what do you normally set your difficulty setting to at the beginning just a regular normal medium normal yeah same yeah same um i only a handful of times i actually did it on jedi fallen order uh there was like the (laughs) one of the last boss best boss battles i just couldn't get through it and i had to like like i very begrudgingly turn it back down is it the big inquisitor yeah on kashik yeah i think everyone (laughs) she kicked kicked my ass so hard it was so frustrating hope you enjoy the first boss battle (laughs) (laughs) i i say that i have a friend who only plays like he's like i turn it to hardest every time and i'm like what kind of masochistic like why would you I don't know. I think I just really enjoy story. So like, I don't want to like be sitting there frustrated replaying a scene yeah. over and over again. So I don't know. Yeah. I only have so much time. Yeah. I say, you know, I but then also like certain games like Halo three for me, my favorite game of all time. Like I played it on normal. I got the story. I put on normal a second time. And then every time since then I've played it on legendary. Yeah. And I mean, for me, that game, I, I have it like memorized. Yeah. Like, but so now like legendary feels like normal, good, you know? Yeah. 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 But I don't think I would love that game the same if I had gone legendary to start off with. Right. Yeah, like right. I, I, just, I think that I would have been, gotten burnt out by the sniper's alley in the woods. So, but anyway. Yeah. Cool. Just curious. Yeah. Cause yeah, I'm, I'm on the same boat. Yeah. So Christian, what's your number four? Uh, my number four is John Wick 4. Um, oh, that yeah. was a lot of fun. Um, I am a huge fan of martial arts movies. I was raised on like Bruce Lee and Jackie Chan movies. Um, so um, I have a feeling if you're listening to this and you are in that boat, um, if you haven't already seen John Wick 4, uh, please go see John Wick 4. You will not regret it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 100%. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a feast for your martial arts Heart. Um, it's uh, like the cast is amazing. We have Donnie Yen is in it. Um, we have oh my god, I cannot remember. Um, he's in everything. The Japanese father, the one who was it's oh, it's gonna I should have done my homework and oh from, yeah, like, no, exactly looked up his name. Uh, but I, I love I him in everything. He's Scorpion, you guys know that. Um 
I'm trying to think of everybody else. Scott Atkins is in it, and you would never know if nobody told you. Uh, and he was also fantastic. He's great. Um, it's it's a very long movie, but if I look back at it, there's not much that I would take out of it. Um, I think everybody had that same visceral reaction to him falling down the stairs for 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. And especially like considering how far into the movie we were for that. But uh, it's gorgeous. Uh, like the cinematography is gorgeous. You can press pause at any point in that movie, print it out and just put it on a on a wall. Um, it's absolutely beautiful. So um, I don't know. I don't know what this means for the franchise because I, I don't want to spoil anything. Uh, but if you know, I'm happy. I'm happy with with John Wick four. So yeah, if I can comment on this because I this is my favorite Please. movie of the year so far. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm also a martial arts movie nut, which <laughs> we will see here in a little bit. Um, but watching this movie was like it's like the scales were lifted from my eyes, like freaking Paul in the Bible, and I understand <laughs> now what. Like I was watching this movie and I it like everything like finally like clicked for me, like how the perfect action movie is made, like the right. pieces that need to be there, the formula, the algorithm. Um, if I can if I can put this out there, it, I, I was sitting there and I was watching this and I was like, why does this feel because to me, John Wick Four in my mind is the best of those four movies mm-hmm. for me personally. Um and it feels like mission and Impo- it feels on the same level of mission impossible. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it'd be another perfect action franchise. And also the raid movies, the raid uh, raid two, in my opinion, perhaps the best action movie ever made <clears throat> um, right after Die Hard. So when I was looking at these, I was like, why are these, th- why do these three franchises work so well? And I think it's uh, about six points that i think if you can do these six things your action movie will be perfect the first is to have a dedicated actor in your lead role someone who is not just dedicated to the performance on screen but is also dedicated to putting their body out there like keanu reeves Mm -hmm. and um, tom cruise and even the guys from the raid like they are out there they're doing the actual stunts yeah. you, you know yep. john wick you know with keanu reeves there's these now kind of like famous videos of him doing these like gun range mm-hmm. practices that go into his training it's why he looks so natural with with the gun right as he's running around so having an actor who is fully dedicated to that role the second is a supporting cast of characters that are like memorable. They have specific things about them that stand out. I think like in the raid movies, if you've seen raid two, like the blind girl with the hammers, she's not blind, but she has the glasses and she has yeah. the, the two hammers and she fights on the train, the kid with the baseball bat. Um, you got mad dog in those movies. Um, and then throw a dart and you hit someone who has something unique about them in, in the John wick movies, particularly John wick four. Um, a focus on stunts and in-camera work. These movies, all three of them are love letters to stunt work and stunt and some people, all three of them use CGI, but they use CGI to smooth out the in-camera right. work. It's never a, pa- it's never like a to replace it, it right? right? It's a patch up job. And that's why it all feels like those hits. Like even when he's getting hit by a car, you know, he's not getting hit by a real car. 
But right. the lead up to that has been just real car, real car, real car, real car, mm-hmm. real driving stunt. So when he gets hit by a car, you're like, oh, damn it, that <laughs> got yeah. hit by a car, you know, <laughs> uh, distinct locations and environment. Every single fight scene in these movies takes place in somewhere unique where the environment also plays into how John is having to fight these characters right along the same lines as a unique visual style, not just to the film overall, but to each of these different areas. Like that first fight in the lobby is all lit green. Then they fight in that room that has all of the samurai armor. And it's these like pillars of white light refracted off of like glass cases. And then finally, and I, I, I know I'm like, you know, hijacking your point here. No, no. Is that all three of these movies have such a respect for film as an art form. And to me, I noticed that in John Wick 4, that movie uh, very directly homages and references like classic films. There is, I mean, I don't know how many people like in a John Wick like screening got the Lawrence of Arabia reference in that movie, <laughs> but like I was stoked as someone who just worships Lawrence of Arabia, the blowing out the match smash cut so to cool. the sunset. I was like, oh my gosh, they just did <laughs> Lawrence of Arabia and John Wick. Um, and then that whole thing with the like DJ telling everyone like where they're at, like very much the warriors. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's that movie great. was just full of like references to like great action movies of the past. And I just like, I'm in love with John Wick Four. It's the movie to be of the year for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, my, my number one uh, is, uh, I'm not going to spoil it yet, but is very much in the vein of, all the stuff that you talked about. It's funny that you bring up what you say about like what it takes to make a big action movie. Cause I just feel like, I think I've said this before on another podcast that <laughs> everything that Keanu is, everything that Keanu does is everything the rock wishes or thinks he is. Oh dude, um, this is, yeah. that is the point of the century right there. It's so yeah. true. Yeah. yeah. I think cause like, he, and I don't want to say that Keanu does this effortlessly because it's a lot of work, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But he makes it look like, damn, like, what what can't this guy do? You know what I mean. As soon as as soon as he gets on a motorcycle in the movie, uh, Dana leans in. She's like, "That's his motorcycle, right?" Because I know he has like a like. Is it Arch? Is his motorcycle company? I'm I like, I, so. I, I I still don't know. I I, I kind of hope it is one of his motorcycles. But like that's I mean that's just like the guy has his toes and everything. The guy's amazing. So yeah. Um, What's funny is that I think The Rock was on to something in like Fast Five. Mm-hmm. Like I think that if he had continued in the direction he was going with fast five where he's like i'm actually going to play a character i'm going <laughs> to lean into this character um and i'm going to play a, almost in some ways against type like he to me in that movie is like an action character like yes. i i love him in that movie but then in fast in furious six he fast and furious he he changes to now he's just the rock in yeah. that movie yeah. and now he's been doing that same thing yeah. whereas like look keanu's not the best actor okay yeah <laughs> and neither is the rock but the difference is that keanu leans in fully into every mm-hmm. role that he does he wants to act yeah and the rock is just the rock and everything now yeah yeah, yeah. exactly um yeah 100 cool brandon what's your number four Cool. I'll breeze through this one because there's really not much I can talk about uh, (laughs) about it. But my number four is Bo is Afraid, which 
in the middle oh, of the movie, yeah. I wouldn't, I, I would never guess that this would be in my top five. Really? Um, okay. This is a, this is not a pedestrian watch. <laughs> this right. is a movie that is hard to watch, hard to sit That's through. What it's I've heard nearly three hours of watching Walking Phoenix, just go through it. And he doesn't really understand what's going on and neither does the audience. Um, this is a movie about watching a, you know, this is the the newest film from Ari Aster who did Hereditary and Midsummer. And don't let those two movies fool you about what Bo is Afraid is. Bo is Afraid is more so a comedy than it is a horror. Although, you know, watching this guy on his cross-country journey to get to see his mom uh, is just his anxiety you watch this movie through his point of view and so he is misinterpreting things he is seeing things that may or may not be there it is a very confusing movie because he is a very confused character um it is it dips into the fantastical there's certainly horrifying elements to it um but Joaquin Phoenix is Joaquin Phoenix. He is, in my opinion, I think he is probably our best currently working actor. Um, and uh, he, I mean, he leans into this freaking weird movie as as hard as he can. Um, and while the story beats don't always like make sense, like you may be watching, I have no idea what's going on right now. To me, I think that's why the film works so well is because it's wanting you to feel the same thing that Bo is feeling where he's like, I have no idea what's going on right now. I just don't feel right or feel good about what I'm currently experiencing. The last 30 minutes of this movie is some of the biggest WTF cinema I've seen in a long time. Um, There was actually a couple of uh, people behind us that as soon as the credits started rolling, what the (laughs) i love that Um, and that's some of my favorite stuff like as soon as you know and um i i think that this movie is really really genius i think that it'll probably be a cult favorite Mm -hmm. for a long time uh and it certainly is a movie that i finished and i had to sit with and kind of like chew on on my drive home and i laid awake for about an hour in bed just thinking about what I had watched and what it meant. And, you know, I, I really enjoyed it. So that's my number four. That's cool. I just have a quick question for you yeah. uh, regarding that movie that I've been sure. meaning to ask somebody who has seen it. Uh, so number one, I mean, I, I, I suffer from severe anxiety. Like I hate it. I always have these thoughts running through my head. It's horrible. And I have severe mom issues too. Um, is this right up your alley? Gonna, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, is this movie going to tear me up? Cause I, I'm like, you know, I'm debating. I really do want to watch it, but I'm like, I don't know. I don't know, man. So I, from what I've heard of it, it's like, ah. so as someone who, um, I, I have, I've never experienced anxiety and I have no mom issues. So I I, I can't really speak to that. (laughs) Um, but I have seen a number of critics that I really respect who do suffer from really bad anxiety who found this movie to really speak to them and their specific experiences. Like there are things that happen where they go, wow, I felt that exact same thing last week. And so I think that while you might, I think you might find more humor in it than probably I did because as someone who does not suffer from anxiety, like I could not quite relate to some of those things, but it seems that some of the critics that do 
found kind of this like connection with Bo that maybe I'm missing a little bit. So I would be really interested to hear your take on huh. it if you get a chance to see it. From what I heard, like it basically is a depiction of anxiety from the point of view from somebody who suffers from extreme anxiety, but it doesn't let up to like what the actual reality of what's happening. So you're only seeing yes. it from there anxiety ridden and there is but stuff in this movie is bananas where you're like there's no way this is happening but is it because some of the situations are fantastical yet at the same time they feel like they could maybe be happening in some way shape or form interesting i I think that you'll probably like i said it's much more a comedy than a horror so i think you'll find it more humorous than like nathan lane too so Oh my gosh, I love Nathan Lane. So Nathan yeah, he, amazing. he 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 is very good in this too. He's not in it for super long, mm-hmm. but he does a great job okay. with what he is asked to do in this. Nice, very cool. Awesome. I'm pretty excited to check that out. Um, so yeah, um, so my number four is actually a book. Um, it's one of the the rare books that I've actually read in a while where I where I was hooked from the beginning and kind of read it all through. I've been struggling a lot with finding something that's really, really grabbed my attention lately. And so we kind of talked about, you know, I do have anxiety and I do suffer from ADHD. So like my attention span is all over the place. So over the last couple of years, it's really, really been hard for me to really find a book and read it from beginning to end um, without any issues um, and actually being hooked by the premise. And this book is called uh, Babel or the Necessity of Violence. Um, it's by R.F. Kuang. It's a it's a really, really good historical fantasy drama. It takes place in the 1830s in England um, at Oxford University in kind of a heightened Oxford University. And it uh, the main focus is around this, this kid named Robin Swift, who was kind of, he was adopted from Canton in China uh, when he was a young boy by a professor who works at Oxford. And basically the professor, he's a professor of translation at the Royal Translation Institute at Oxford. And he's raising this boy to be a translator for uh, Chinese and he's learning all these other languages. Um, Basically in this fantastical world, the kind of the empire of London of, of England has been successful because they run their empire off of these silver bars, which are actually fueled by the, the meanings of translations that are kind of the same, but not. And in the book, the book really dives, dives deep being a writer. It was really fascinating to me because it dives deep into language and like what it really means and how we, when we speak it, we kind of we know what the words mean but we don't know where they come from the root of them things like that um and it talks about how translation in general is one of the quotes at the beginning is translation is an act of every act of translation is an act of betrayal um because it is very biased by whoever is translating the the original writing and especially back in the 1830s when we were still kind of you know a lot of these, the bigger countries, like when it comes to uh, colonialism and stuff like that, were using translation to turn their people against other countries. So like China, for example, they would write some beautiful poem or some some other thing, but when it was translated, it was translated as something very anti-English because that's what they wanted to use that for. And of course, the average citizen back in those days didn't know the difference. You know, they couldn't read Chinese or whatever. So they took this writer's word for it. Um, 
So it's, it's, um, they use a lot of uh, alchemy uh, to power the bars. So they actually, it's kind of a weird process. Like the person speaking into the bars has to have a knowledge of two languages and they have to find words that kind of mean the same thing, but don't. And that's what powers the bars. It's, it's kind of fascinating and, and it's kind of really hard to describe, but um, the book just kind of goes into this uh, rebellion that they're planning. Uh, the students find out about this, that the empire is basically using that to wage war on other countries. So the students rebel and they start basically a rebellion in uh, Oxford during the 1830s. Um, I found this book to be just extremely fascinating. It's it's kind of hard not to compare it to something like Harry Potter because they have their houses and things like that. But these characters are a lot more mature. Um, they're written in a way where they, this isn't a bag on the Harry Potter series at all. Like I haven't read much of it, but the characters are- Boo, Harry Potter. Or boo, Harry <laughs> Potter, exactly. <laughs> these characters are a lot more lived in. They're a lot more, um, they feel like they're they're f- completely fleshed out. Fleshed out um characters and and people and they they feel like real people they're relatable in a way there are these four main characters they're all from different countries they all kind of form this bond that they can only because they all work for the translation institute so they form this bond from wherever they're, they're teaching each other about their countries and their customs and things like that and it's kind of this really sweet kind of foursome of friends who kind of start to go their separate ways as this whole thing kind of erupts um but um <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, it, it it tackles subjects, you know, it, it's a heavy book. It's not an easy read. It is very, the way she writes is, it's like you're almost reading a college textbook at times because uh, the professors are kind of lecturing about how these bars work and colonialism and stuff like that. They're teaching in their classrooms, um, but it's, it's totally worth it. I'm totally glad. Like there are some parts of it where you might kind of daze out a little bit because it's very academic at times. But it's really, really well done. Um, it's kind of this alternate history that I I really, really like those kind of alternate history books. It hmm. tackles themes of like uh, everything from racism to colonialism to gender stuff. It's 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 just a really, really fascinating read. And it's, um, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's called Babel, The Necessity of Violence. I highly, highly recommend checking it out if you guys have the time. Um, cool. She also wrote this other series called the Poppy War Trilogy, which I'm actually in the current i've heard about that yeah and it's i've read the first book and i'm in the middle of the second one right now and it's it's incredible so um yeah amazing writer amazing book definitely check it out for sure cool Uh, yeah uh christian what's your number three um my number three i really quickly uh that sounds awesome i don't remember i think the last book i read (laughs) uh chuck palinuk i was obsessed with oh yeah oh yeah yeah i I've gone through, I think, a lot of this. Um, but yeah, that sounds awesome. That sounds yeah, really it's cool. It's great. I, I I just fell in love with it from the second. My wife actually, she heard about it on TikTok and she was like, Hey, like this book came out, you might like it's called Babel and it's about like language and stuff. And I was like, Oh, so we happened to be at like Powell's bookstore up here the other like right after she told me that and I picked it up and she was right. Like it's a fascinating read. So certainly yeah, check it out. Yeah, it, I that sounds fun. Um, okay, my number three. My number three is a movie. Uh, it came out last year. It didn't come out this year. Uh, I didn't see it till this year. Um, had I seen this movie last year, this would have been on my top five of 2022. Um, all of them. Um, easily 
number one i don't give a shit like this is the number one animated movie of last year i'm sorry i mean i i said pinocchio at first but it's puss and boots um, <laughs> movie was so damn good there's almost uh, i hate to speak in hyperbole but that script was just like how many times do you get to see a movie where every character is awesome like there's there was no character where i'm like oh god this person like just power through it to mm-hmm. get to the next person everybody everybody i was just happy to see and just just real quick you are a very you are a very well known uh like like this whole universe shrek and all that stuff you do not like i thank you i i famously <laughs> i remember um, you were talking about that. <laughs> yeah famously not a shrek fan couldn't i've never seen the first puss in boots i don't like the shrek world i think it's mostly my opinions of mike myers that this all stems from whatever um absolutely Did he, like cheat you on like a I don't, you know what? I just heard so many. So, okay, really quickly, let's talk about, let's talk about, uh, oh, is this too much tea? Um, so, you know, I came from the toy industry. I worked at, at um, a toy company for the best part of 10 years. Because of this, I, you know, I, I'm so I, glad I asked. Keep going. Because I've become witness to a lot of things. Like I, I've got to, you know, work at the Kyoto Brothers studio. Um, and then the people that I worked with have worked with everywhere. Um, Eric Ostroff is one of the master mold makers from. Stan Winston, he worked, he did molds for Jurassic Park, Batman Returns. He was the puppeteer. If you guys remember the 90s, Budweiser. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. But yeah, my my coworker who I sat next to for 10 years uh was one of the puppeteers of the Budweiser That's cool. frogs. That's cool. Um, so because of that, I just got a lot of like information about the industry. Um, Cat and Hat was done, the the effects were done by Rick Baker Studio. Rick Baker, if you guys know, did like Hellboy uh back in the day. Um so what I understand, um, Rick Baker Studio, because of how awful Mike Myers was, wrote contract and faced a lawsuit because they could not work with him. They were six months deep into the movie wow. and they were like, I can't. I'm into not going to what movie? Cat in the Hat. Oh, they Cat were in the like, Hat. Because of the way Mike Myers was treating all of the makeup people and all of the people, because he had to do six hours every day in the, in the chair. You know, uh-huh. uh, and he was apparently completely awful to everybody. That's also that's just like one of many stories that I've heard about him. <laughs> I, I think there was just something about that time, maybe yeah, that I just I didn't you. have patience for Shrek or anything. Anyway, all that aside, Puss in Boots, damn near perfect movie. Like I, I love the animation. I love the storytelling. Like everybody, like every character had their, their little thing. Everybody had a chance to shine, but it never took away from Puss in Boots. Like mm-hmm. he was still like the hero. Um, it's it, I, I think, you know, I immediately we watched it in theaters the next yeah. day or even that night. I think I, I downloaded it on Amazon. Um, I'm like, I'm going to throw another $30 at this because this is just so good. <laughs> it's good. Uh-huh. Yeah, just so I could watch it again. Um, yeah. Loved Puss. Very good. Welcome. Surprise. I'm with you. I, I really, really enjoyed that movie a lot. Um, I have quite an issue when it comes to animation so i i've got three kids um Mm -hmm. we watch a lot of animated movies around here (laughs) and uh i have gotten to the point where i am almost completely disinterested in cgi animation at all anymore Mm -hmm. uh if i never have to look at another one of those stupid huge-eyed disney princesses again like the the design (laughs) for those things is atrocious i i think cgi animation at this point is just ugly um, and so to see the way that this movie takes CGI animation yet blends it with this paintbrush effect. Uh-huh. So like takes what looks like crap and turns it into this like textured layered, beautiful looking thing. And then 
add on top of that the kinetic energy of every single shot Mm -hmm. i mean the ways in which that camera like flies in that movie and every i mean the 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 comparisons to into the spider-verse are obvious because into the spider-verse i think for the better is going to change is is changing the way that animators are kind of like looking at how do we make action look and you're already seeing it in the new ninja turtles movie that's coming out that i'm so excited for Mm -hmm. um where like right in the beginning of that movie when when puss goes to fight that like giant like wood giant thing i was like blown away by the angles that this camera was taking and every time he fights death it looks like a comic book panel Mm -hmm. like the movie is just full of like bright colors and like it's not pretending to be taking place and like look like it's real like this looks like i almost feel like it looks like a comic book yeah i I love it there's some gorgeous cinematography in it too so i for the cinemas podcast i run you know our facebook and i i piece together these kind of cinematography they're all amazing and i had puss in boots one and there's so many shots in that movie i could have picked two times as many shots as I did. Um, but I, I was like, man, I, it's so hard to kind of narrow these things down. It just, it's such a good looking movie. Mm-hmm. I, I would credit two things uh, for the animation style. Cause you mentioned into the spider verse and absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, that is going to have a, a huge, and we're, I think we're just barely now seeing the effects of its influence in the animation field. Um, the other thing that I have to credit is arcane. Um, the the whole like painterly like mm-hmm. uh, style of, of like again Ninja Turtles you know what I mean they're, they're picking up on it too um, the animating on twos right like when you see that choppy animation that's obviously into the Spider Verse but yeah I like to give like the, a lot of that credit of the the painterly stuff to Arcane um, I, I think Arcane shook stuff up like nobody asked for it nobody it was on nobody's radar it was just all of a sudden it released and it was like what is this and it released on the same year that Marvel Studios dropped their first animated thing out of mm-hmm. that studio and put it to shame mm-hmm. arcane like uh, a thousand times. Um, and that studio um, out in France, and I can't remember the name of the studio right now because Partiche, Partiche, Partiche. Um, are they doing, uh, are, are they also doing a Star Wars Visions? Holy crap. Holy crap might, if they are. I think they might be. Volume two of Visions is packed yeah. with, animation studios gorgeous if they are um i they might be i think they are one of them holy crap i (laughs) anything that they do i I am like a you know what's interesting if you saw the trailer for um the new disney movie wish yeah uh, it looks like disney's also trying to find a way to blend itself with this other style Mm -hmm. where yeah, it still has the kind of like, you know, frozen look to it, but it almost looks like they're trying to blend. How do we have this kind of like matte paint thing going on on top of that? And then they have the the animating on twos, but I noticed they did it like when you notice it really well in, in um, Puss in Boots, because it's like if they're talking, it's normal. You know, it's 24 frames. But then as soon as it kicks into the action there and, you know, it's 12, 12 yeah. frames. So then. It's, I think it's just weird in that Disney trailer because they were using it and she was just talking. You know what I mean? And then uh-huh. so it was weird because the animation is really subtle and it's here, but they're animating on the two. So I don't know that that works necessarily, but it's Disney. So I can't really count them out when it comes to animation. But yeah, now they're playing catch up. 
yeah yeah with stuff so i don't know puss in boots is my number three um absolutely adored it loved it perfect brandon what's your number three um so my number three is actually a live show uh that i went to oh nice oh you actually you went to it so i went to this that's cool um, my wife and i this is how we celebrated uh, valentine's day with each other um so my favorite comedian is mike perbiglia i've been following Mike perbiglia mm. since oh he's fantastic forever same um mm. you know back when like joey bag of donuts yeah so back <laughs> with like joe bags with like you know um dog days uh my secret public journal like mm. i have loved Mike Perbiglia for a very, very, very long time. My favorite standup of all time is um, my boyfriend's or my girlfriend's boyfriend. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I, I loved the new one. I loved uh, thank God for jokes. And so when I had seen that he was doing this show on Broadway, I was just so sad that I was never going to get to see it. Cause like, when am I going to get to Broadway? But then turns out he came out, he had, he had done a, he had scheduled a show in Mesa, Arizona, which is like 15 minutes from my house um, forever ago, canceled it because of, I think COVID. And then he was like, I'm going to honor that show. So he brought his new show from Broadway all the way out to Mesa. That so cool. That's cool. Um, so it's called the old man in the pool. And I'm not going to spoil for you why it's called that, because certainly like almost every comedian nowadays, this is going to be on Netflix. When I tell you that this is my favorite, my probably stand up since my girlfriend's boyfriend. Um, this thing is. It's it's very much it's it very much. I mean, if you listen to my probably he's telling one story with a thousand different tangents. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he hits the perfect note between humorous and heartfelt um, I got choked up at one point. It's very much a story about how do you grapple with mortality as someone who is in your, you know, early to mid forties and you're realizing, okay, you know, my back hurts more, my, you know, I'm way more tired. I'm falling asleep in, in places in my house. I never thought I would fall asleep. This, you know, as someone who's not as old as Mike, but <laughs> I, you know, I'm starting to feel the subtle effects of aging. Yeah. Um, this was uh, a, a, just another, I mean, what else? It's just another A grade um, comedy set from one of my favorite comedians. So, Dude, yeah, great. I mean, I, it's, it's, it's tough to, you know, dig any deeper than that. But yeah, uh, Mike Birbiglia, The Old Man in the Pool is fantastic look for it on netflix probably later this year i'd assume but it's it's fantastic it's so so good cool i look forward to seeing it yeah i'm happy you got to experience that too that's that's really yeah. awesome yeah that's really cool um so my number three um my number three is evil dead rise i absolutely love, love this movie yeah uh if you guys haven't Check out the Cinemas podcast. Check out their episode on it because it was amazing. And uh, the movie itself is incredible. It's so much fun. Uh, I know just from listening to that episode, Brandon, like we kind of had the same reaction to it, the same kind of visceral. Like I was just having a, it's not a fun movie by any means, but I was having a blast watching it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I was just like, I've, 
I took my, it was Eli's first movie in a horror movie in movie theaters. Uh, I took a friend with us as well. My friend, our friend Nickish, who's on the geek galaxy podcast. We were sitting there. Uh, I was just sitting there with this goofy grin on my face the whole time. Cause I thought it was just so well done. So incredible. Some of the kills were brutal. Like it was just blood everywhere. And I absolutely loved it. Um, my son was sitting there with this hoodie kind of like, like halfway in his hoodie. Cause he couldn't watch half of it because he was getting <laughs> too scared. Um, and yeah, I just had a blast with it. I thought it was a really, really, it felt like a natural ex- extension of the franchise. Uh, it doesn't feel like it's, you know, I like the 2013 version a lot, but this one it did it did combine the the stuff that i loved about evil dead 2 and the 2013 it kind of combined them in a weird way and it wasn't as funny you know it wasn't as goofy but it 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 had the same like i i i feel like if sam raimi was to make an evil dead movie today this would be it that's how i kind of feel about it that i i am inclined to agree with you on that yeah, and that's and that's how I feel about it. I, I love the characters. I thought Alyssa Sutherland was just terrifying as as uh, uh, Ellie, mm-hmm. the mom. Like she was just like still that line delivery of "Mommy's with the maggots now." Still like just <laughs> it's incredible. Mom's with the maggots now. Yeah, and it's, it's like great. everybody. I don't know if you've been keeping up with a lot of the behind the scenes stuff on Twitter uh, that Lee Cronin mm-hmm. has been. You know, he's been like tweeting out a bunch of behind the scenes stuff, and it looks like legitimately looks like everybody was just having a blast on this movie. Like just yeah, you can tell. You can it, tell. It, it, and it, it totally comes out in the final product. Like this is a movie that is made with love and respect for 100% original movies, but also looks at it and says, all right, how can we take this in uh, another direction? How can we add to what came before while still respecting right. everything from the past? Yeah. 100%. Um, I don't want to get too deep into spoilers because it just kind of came out and stuff and Christian hasn't seen it yet. So we're not going to get into that. But uh, overall, I thought it was just an amazing time at the movies. Uh, it's And I love listen i'm not one of those guys who bitches and moans about the length of movies but it was a swift it was like an hour and a half like 96 minutes just flew oh, by like it just love me a cool 90 same like <laughs> easy like it those are my favorite i i i remember like buying the tickets for it and seeing it was like an, an hour and 36 minutes i was like all right let's go let's go let's do this like i was yeah. so excited and um so yeah i loved it um evil dead rise that's my number three yeah, i can't wait till it comes out man to you know and it was you know i I'm actually really excited for it to come out to HBO Max now so I can watch it again, you know, whenever it does eventually. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm pretty great I, example like too of, you know, we just had CinemaCon and yeah. one thing like these, these freaking hypocrites, like they spent all week talking about how theaters are our lifeblood. We are dedicated to theaters. And I think that's true now. I think they're realizing yeah. now how important theaters are. And I'm telling you, there's two things that have made them do a complete about face and move away from streaming and, and go to, to, to uh, theaters again. One is the Top Gun Maverick situation. Oh yeah. Where, yeah. Like that is the most obvious one 
where Tom Cruise bet on theaters over streaming and was like, F you guys, we're, we're doing the theater thing. I love that. And that movie just like was making bankroll, right? Uh, just absolutely crushed. The second of it is the horror year, the year that horror had in 2022 mm-hmm. at the box office was B A N A N A S bananas. <laughs> like between, I mean, just like Barbarian, and I'm I'm gonna forget every single horror movie that came out last year. <laughs> but yeah. but Barbarian is is one that obviously stands out, right? Yeah. Um, last year in horror was crazy. It was insane, and. And I, I think that an Evil Dead Rise coming to theaters is a direct result of the year that 2022 had. It was mm-hmm. initially supposed to be an HBO Max original. Right. It was supposed to drop directly on HBO Max. But I think after 2022, they said, all right, maybe we should actually run this in front of a test screen. And it test screens so well that they're like, we got to put this thing in theaters yeah. now. And it dominated. Like, I think it made $94 million in its first weekend. Yeah, it did great. And it... it, it, it... It's a theater movie, right? Like to experience with people oh, yeah. who are like, that's the way to experience this movie for the first time. Like not saying you want to enjoy it otherwise, but what's that? It was a ton of fun in our theater. Yeah, same. People were screaming. People were getting that. up and walking out. Five people walked out of our screening. <laughs> we great. had a couple people walk out of our screening too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it no, was great. Great stuff. Oh, fantastic. Uh, Christian, what's your number two? My number two. My number two, uh, I'm going to television now. Um, there's been a couple of uh, shows that have been... I can't watch them all. I don't have time for everything. Uh, but this is something I was looking forward to since they announced it. Uh, and that is the HBO series, The Last of Us. Um, mm-hmm. I am a huge, huge, huge fan of the games. I actually replayed both of them uh, while uh, you know the, the show was, was being televised. Uh, I do not regret that. I think I was completely and wholly consumed by it. And uh, I am still kind of withdrawing from everything now. Um, mm-hmm. I, it's funny because uh, like just recently somebody was like, man, there's no real shows to watch. And then I was like, I forgot that we were in the middle of watching The Mandalorian because my headspace was still on yeah. The Last of Us. Uh, like The Last of Us is real. Uh, and uh, like The Mandalorian is not. But the it's it was just fantastic. I think for a lot of us who have been fans of the last of us for 10 years, you know, I, I, there's a little bit of trepidation and like, you know, it's such a beloved story. And I think so many people hold it close and like, there's, you know, it's risky. It's risky. You don't, you hate to see the thing that you love, like turn into something like halo. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Luckily, (laughs) you know, the last of us was in really good hands. Um, There was so much uh, Craig Mazin, man. um, Obviously they brought on, um, our boy, I can't remember his name now. Um, oh my uh, god, Neil Druckmann. Druckmann. Neil yeah. Druckmann, yeah. Druckmann on. Um, there's so much involvement from everybody, um, you know, on, on that end. That of course, and it, it's like a love letter. It's a love letter. Mm-hmm. If you know the game so well, like you know, it just it'll just make you happy watching it. And even if you don't, it's amazing. I, I watched it um, with my friends that have never played the game, um, and it was so much fun seeing their reactions because you know like knowing like they're not ready for this they're not ready for this um is great also the little changes that they made there's episode three one of the most beautiful episodes of television here i'm i'm getting easy weepy just thinking about it right now. i sobbed sobbed yes Yes. like like snot bubble little kid like (laughs) (laughs) like yeah and i i would say 
almost every episode there was a reason to to cry a little bit yeah um, yes so so beautifully done um everybody involved obviously um daddy pedro obviously <laughs> um you know bella ramsey my god bella ramsey She's amazing. To all of the people that doubted Bella Ramsey before this series started, I hope you guys are all eating crow. Um, yeah, it was it, it was fantastic. I will patiently wait however long I need to wait for the next season of The Last of Us. And if people weren't ready for the first season of The Last of Us, oh my God, are they not ready for season two? Um, <laughs> we're going to talk a little bit more about this yeah. uh, coming up. Uh, but, oh man, I just, I adore Neil's writing. I adore these characters. And I Thank him and everybody else for for bringing this to the table. So Last of Us HBO series. Yeah, cool. Um, Brendan, what's your number two? Um, My number two, I I cheated. Um, (laughs) But I have a a way that I've justified this. So um, my number two is two movies, Heroes of the East from 1978 and Dirty Ho, or more accurately pronounced Dirty Haw from 1979. Uh, the reason I believe that I can cheat here is because in the Arrow video box set uh, for the Shaw Brothers Volume One, <laughs> the these are disc. both on the same disc. Okay, <laughs> there you go. Fair enough. There you go. Um, so I I have a very very deep love for international cinema, particularly Asian cinema. Um, I love uh, Japanese. I love uh, samurai films. Uh, Akira Kurosawa, one of my favorite filmmakers. Um, but in the last couple of years for me, Hong Kong and Chinese cinema has like truly become like the genre and subgenre that I've really gravitated towards. And my, you know, DVD and Blu-ray collection has really kind of expanded in, in that regard. Um, I have really fallen in love with the Shaw Brothers studio and what they were kind of able to achieve with their like literally 1000 movies. Um, and so I, uh, have already you know i've purchased the two um sets that aero video put out they are excellent excellent sets the transfers are insane like That's for example good. i watched um i watched uh, uh five fingers of death and the the blu-ray that i got actually was corrupted i had to get it replaced uh but in order to finish the movie i had to watch it on amazon and the amazon copy was atrocious so i got to see like night and day the contrast between the blu-ray that arrow redid and the dvd copy that uh was streaming on amazon it was horrendous but the transfers are amazing anyway i got to watch heroes of the east or as it is otherwise sometimes known as shaolin challenges ninja and Dirty Hall. And these movies are both so good. I literally could not pick one of these. Um, okay, I, I, I'm going to try and make this quick. Heroes <laughs> of the East follows this young Chinese guy played by Gordon Liu, who, if you are an American, you probably most recognize Gordon Liu from um, Kill Bill 1 and 2. So he plays Pai okay. Mei, and he plays um, the leader of the um, Crazy 88. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, so he is uh he is like Lao Carlong's like guy. Yeah. He, he, he's like in all of his movies. Um, so he is set up with an arranged marriage with a woman from Japan. She comes over and they get married. And it's kind of this fun twist on like the newlywed thing where the two of them cannot agree on anything. Um, but instead of like, oh, this is how we do the dishes or this is how we do the laundry, it's 
which martial arts is better, Japanese or Chinese martial arts? <laughs> and he doesn't respect her chap- Japanese martial arts. She does not respect his Chinese martial arts. And it kind of gets to the point where th- their differences are irreconcilable. She goes back to Japan and it kind of like messes with his dad's company. And so he is like, I, I am demanding that you go back and you bring her back from Japan. She is your wife. You should get her back. So he's like, I don't want to go back to Japan. So what he does is with the help of his friend, they send a letter to Japan to her saying, you are my wife. Japanese martial arts sucks. Come back to China and prove it one on one. I will kick your ass with Chinese martial arts. This letter is intercepted by her like dojo master who like reads it to their like martial arts school and seven masters from her Japanese martial arts school come to China to kick Gordon Liu's ass. And each of them is a, is a master in a specific form of Japanese martial arts. So there's one who his thing is Kendo or Katana. There's a karate master, a nunchuck master, a spear master, a Sai master, a judo master, and then the kind of leader of the group, a master in ninjutsu. And he has to learn. So they come and challenge him. He says, I'll take you on one by one, each one of you one day each. And each of them, he has to find a Chinese martial art to counter their specific really cool. style, <laughs> which is my favorite kind of martial arts, favorite kind of Kung Fu movie or Chinese movie where like the, the hero has to like find a way to counter the the uh, specific find a specific counter to the bad guy and he fight like he fights with every kind of weapon in this movie um he fights the judo guy and like covers himself with like peanut oil so he's like too slippery to catch <laughs> like it's such a great movie that is and, cool um it it's just really freaking cool it's it's just a blast from start to finish if you like martial arts it's a, just an awesome display and one thing that's really cool about this movie as well is unlike a lot of shaw brothers movies um lao kar lung uh actually went and cast actual japanese actors to play the japanese play people the rather awesome. than finding like chinese actors that look japanese right which they do a lot um so yeah, and it's also shot on location. So like they there's like a lot of great fights that happen like in like a rice field where normally Shaw Brothers movies often were shot at the studio and like you kind of see the same set multiple across multiple movies. <laughs> yeah. Um so yeah, that is Heroes of the East which is freaking rad. It's awesome. And then Dirty Haw, I'm going to keep this one really short. Gordon Liu again. Lao Karlung directs this one again, uh, but this one also stars Wang Yui, who is a jewel thief, and he is tricked by Gordon Liu, who is in the son of an emperor. He is one of, I think, 12 sons, and the emperor is about to choose his successor, and so his brothers all believe that Gordon Liu is going to become the successor to their father. So one of them, the fourth brother, decides he's going to start sending assassins to kill his brother so that because he believes that he will be the next one in line. So Gordon Liu tricks um, Wong Yui's character into becoming his bodyguard. And the choreography in this movie, when I tell you this is probably the best fight choreography I've ever seen in a movie, period. Um, Gordon Liu does these like things where he, so he is he does not want anyone to know that he knows kung fu so he 
the way he moves his body, it's like, it's so hard to describe. He veils his defenses against certain things. Like there's a scene where he's about to get poisoned by tea and like him and the guy are drinking tea together and they've poisoned his tea and they're like fighting with their teacups, but he's nice. like hiding as if he's clumsy. Um, That's so cool. He will, he'll like use other people and act like they are the martial arts master, but he'll like kick their elbow and they'll like punch. Or like oh, that's cool. he'll like put his foot under theirs and like bring it up with a knee. And so, but he ends up getting hurt and has to, and then has to teach Wong Yui's character Kung Fu, which then leads to, I kid you not, probably my favorite fight scene of all time, which is a 2v3 fight with Lo Lei of all people who I also love, who, who also um, played Pai Mei. Uh, so Pai Mei in the Kill Bill movies is right. completely based off of another character from this movie called Executioners from Shaolin. Also a great movie and could have made my <laughs> list. Um, but uh, yeah, this 3v2 fight scene is they're using everything as a weapon. They're using each other's bodies as weapons. They're like, just go watch the movie. It's like, <laughs> I cannot recommend this movie enough. So. It sounds fantastic. Yeah. So Heroes of the East and Dirty Hall, the the two movies I am tandeming at, at, at my number two. Perfect. Um, yeah, my number two. Christian brought it up earlier. The Last of Us Part Two. I I still think about this game on the regular. Like it's I finished it probably a month and a half ago, maybe, but it's it's been sticking with me ever since um it's truly is an experience and i I don't want to spoil it for anybody because like i know it's been long enough that if you haven't played it you're probably not going to play it but if you're like me who finally getting around to playing it get finally getting yourself a playstation or something to be able to play it go play the last of us part one if you haven't played yet then play the last of us part two i am i am confident in saying i enjoyed part two better than the first um i think it's a better story i think it's a bit more captivating than the first one i thought the first one was fantastic and and nearly perfect but this one to me is perfect um there are Brandon, have you played it i have played what i believed was 75 percent, but actually more like 40 percent of the first game okay 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 so i'm not gonna spoil that too much but there's it's one of the most morally ambiguous games I've ever played. Like it, it, it does this thing where, you know, you kind of, you know, something happens in the game and you hate that it happened and you hate the person who did this thing, but then you're forced to kind of be in their shoes in a weird way. Um, I had a really, really tough time with it emotionally. There was times where I literally like just had to walk away from the system and just give it a couple of days before I came back because I was just, it was just tearing me up inside everything that had just happened. Um, I think the, the characters are all just incredible. Like there's not one character that's wasted in this game. Um, Everybody has their time to shine everyone does their thing and it's just perfect uh ellie's journey uh you know it's all about revenge right like this this whole the theme of the story is revenge and how far are you willing to take it um and it's 
the most heartbreaking thing I've ever seen. Uh, that's all I can really say without spoiling it, but it's it's like top tier storytelling in any medium. Like I don't care, like it, movies, TV, comics, books, uh, any medium ever. It's it's top tier. Like this is the peak of game of game storytelling and of storytelling in general i absolutely adored it i think it's um it makes me really 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 uh scared to watch any of the last of us television show any further <laughs> um because i'm not sure i can handle the emotions again um but it's 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 perfect it i i i do see myself playing it again down the road um just as a reminder of how good video games can be with their storytelling. Um, I don't take joy in wanting to play it again, but um, it, it's, it's just, it's, it's incredible. It's fantastic. I, uh, I, I don't even know what else to say about it other than go play it, but be prepared if you haven't played it yet. Like, uh, especially if you're doing a last of us part one and last of us part two double whammy back to back be prepared <laughs> if, if you guys are listening to this and you remember when this game came out and if you were in any kind of video game bubble you know how divisive this game was yeah right and i, I think as somebody who's played through the, the game over two times now um it's it always hits it doesn't it, it there's no diminishing in my emotions replaying it because it's it's so difficult and i think one of the beautiful things and why it's so divisive is because it forces that empathy on the player Mm -hmm. right it doesn't give you it 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 just like you said there's something that happens that you absolutely hate happened you blame somebody for them and then it forces you to step out of yourself you know and and really empathize with people uh and it's i just imagine there's a reason why this took so long to follow up from the first one because i just imagine they were there for like years in the writing room like yeah trying to figure easily. this out like it's incredible incredible in storytelling 100 um, percent and, and it, yeah there's yeah, so many and, lessons to take from it and it yes it stays with you yeah and and like all of the characters i like i love like even mm-hmm. even the ones you're kind of told to hate you know mm-hmm. when things happen like i uh you know there's there's a scene at the end i'm not going to spoil it where you're about to take someone down like you you finally got to your your goal and you are like do you have this person like you have this thing right there and yeah. it's going to happen i i struggled with that like i actually like failed on purpose <laughs> cuz i did not want to do it and yeah. of course you know things happen or whatever but um but yeah Certainly check it out. Um, yeah, Last of Us Part Two, definitely. If you haven't played it, that whole yeah, ending, end scene, I was in tears. Like, oh yeah, walking up and then, oh, you you basically yeah. walk up to the beach and then you come across something. As yeah. soon as you see see it, it's just so devastating, it's heartbreaking. It's oh, I, I truly, yeah, I'm too emotional. Top tier storytelling, any yeah. medium, like it's any just medium. it's it's incredible. So, um, yeah, Last of Us Part Two. My number two, uh, Christian. What's your number one? What's we your number are one at number one. Experience this year. If you would have asked me this question 
at exactly this time yesterday, I would have said something different. Um, my number one for the year so far is Sisu. Um, okay. If you know what I'm talking about and you've seen the trailer, you, yep, that's it. It looks that's insane. exactly what you think it is. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I would even recommend forego the trailer completely, go in completely blind. Oh my god, what an experience you're gonna have. Um, I we've been talking about action movies uh through this whole list, and I just I don't even know how to I don't want to spoil a, any little tiny thing about this movie for anybody. Um, you just kind of have to go, uh, but it's brilliant. It's really brilliant. It's really, really well done. Um, I you were talking about like Shaw Brothers earlier. There's definitely like a lot of like it has that like 70s exploitation action movie feel to everything. That's awesome. Um, a lot of even like the shots that they they make are, are, are almost like homages to 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 that era of, of filmmaking. Um, but man, I can't tell you how creative they get when they show you how badass he is. Like when you think of like what's badass, you're not ready for this. Like <laughs> he does stuff in this, and it's just like you could hear it's not funny, but like you can hear the audience like I laugh. You know, I don't know if you guys experienced the first time I saw the Dark Knight in theaters, there were a lot of scenes with the Joker that people were laughing at that were absolutely not funny. It's because mm -hmm. people just had that nervous energy and didn't. Yeah. Have to oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. There's that scene where he's hanging out the car, you know, after he escapes. And like, I remember in the theater, people laughing. And it was just like, you can like, again, it's just that nervous, like, what the hell did I just see? Um, and there was a lot of that in CC. <laughs> I, I was clapping at the end um i i hysterically laughed a few times nice. that's serious just from the amazement of like how incredible it was the thing that i just saw that's um, awesome. it just it ramps up like it kind of starts and then it hits a point and then it's like okay we're here now and then it happens again and then like okay now we're here but it gets you to this point so by the end you completely like i don't care what you do i'm 100 with you like i i'm along <laughs> for the ride Nice. that's great dude yeah i'm gonna check that out for sure so yeah Sisu, it just it just came out this past weekend so yeah uh, yes yeah, definitely yesterday. Go check that out. yeah yesterday um so yeah uh brandon what's your number one um my number one uh is the current season of my favorite show on tv very possibly my favorite show of all time now uh which is succession i've heard nothing but great things about yeah, it same i I am just immensely in love with this show. Um, I, I missed the first season, caught up in season two, um, my wife and I, and I have rewatched the entire show with each new season. Um, I just like these characters are so detestable. Like they're, they're just like the worst, <laughs> but I love each and every one of them. Like my, like, like they're almost like my TV children. Like I, I'm like, you idiots, you stupid, disgusting people. I love you so much. Um, particularly kind of the main ish character, Kendall. Uh, I just, I just love him so much. Um, Succession season four. This was supposed to be the second to last season. They announced like a month before this season came out that this is actually going to be the final season. Oh, wow. Um, which threw me. I was like, what am I supposed to do when this, when this show yeah. happens? Like, 
Um, because I don't watch a ton of TV. Like in order for me to watch TV, I have to be a hundred percent bought in. Yeah. Really have to get me. Uh, because I just spend so much more of my time watching films that is, if it's going to be TV, like you really have to earn that. And succession is, has done that just in spades. You talked about, um, I, I can't remember what show you guys were talking about earlier where you talked about every episode somehow me was and or every mm. episode somehow like the next episode is better than the mm. previous one. And while I think that just about every episode of succession has been excellent, this show, this season from episode three, we just had episode five, every episode, episode three of this season does something that I totally did not expect. It takes a direction that I was, stunned by and i was like this is hands down the best episode of television i have seen this year this is the best episode of television from this show period and i do not know how they're going to top this the best performances i've seen on television in years like that episode's going to win all the emmys like all of them (laughs) um and so like that that episode season three of this of of season four has basically locked in everyone for emmys it's like there's to lose now and then episode four happened and I was like, oh, wow, I this is better than the last one. And then this most recent episode, better than the last one. It's like every single week, everyone's giving top tier performances and yet someone edges ahead of the rest of the group for That's the crazy. best performance of the season. And it's like, I, 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 I don't want this show to end, but if this is how it's going to go down, it, it, this is like Breaking Bad final season level quality stuff. Like every episode is Osmondeus to me. In fact, the third episode of this season is now has topped Osmondeus for the highest rated episode of television on IMDb. Oh, really? Yeah. So when I tell you, Succession is the best show on TV and season four for me has been the best season thus far. I cannot recommend it enough. Number That's one. That's cool. Uh, speaking of uh, Brian Cox is actually up here in Portland this week and filming a movie. They're actually shutting down one of the big bridges so they can. Dang. Film, you should I find guess, him they... and ask him his thoughts on method acting. I should. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, every I think I'm other good. reporter I, I read on that planet interview. earth has asked him about. Yeah, I think I've read it. that interview. Um, yeah, that's awesome, man. It's definitely on my list. I'm hoping to. I've had a little bit of it spoiled for me. Uh, oh, okay. I think it's probably the episode you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the best episode you said so, or yeah. is it episode three you said? Um, but um, but yeah, it's definitely on my list. And I, I yeah, it's one of those shows. I mean, if we're talking, you know, season one, I've heard some people say that they feel like the first two episodes like kind of take a little bit of time mm-hmm. to get into. I, I was bought in about eight minutes in i was like this might be my favorite show on tv right now (laughs) about eight minutes in um you know it just it it starts off you know with like this like acquisition of a website you know Mm. a small little media company in this like board meeting where everyone's trying to be the big man on campus and you can tell one of these characters is like playing way above his station. And I'm like, dude, I'm bought into this, whatever this <laughs> is, I'm super into it. And here I am four seasons later and I have wept in multiple episodes of this show. Like as I've watched these characters, right. Who are gross. They are disgusting people. <laughs> and I connect with, you know, because, you know, even though they, they suck, they, the stuff they're going through is not unlike some of the same relationships that a lot of us kind of like kick against. So right. 
Yeah, it's masterful cool. writing. And yeah, I, I could, I would take up the rest of your night talking about Succession. Oh. So I'm stopping. <laughs> Number no, one you're good. Succession season four. Yeah, I had to stop talking about Last of Us Part Two because of that. Also, <laughs> like, it could have easily just kept going. Um, but yeah. Um, so my number one is something that happens every year, but this year was a little bit um, more special for for me. Um, so Emerald City Comic Con has always been one of my favorite Comic Cons. Um, I went to my first Comic Con in 2017, so I'm still kind of new to the Comic Con circuit, and a lot of that wasn't due to lack of interest; it was due to lack of uh, lack of funds and lack of proximity within any really great comic cons. Um, so my very first one was Rose City Comic Con 2017. Um, and I do have to thank, you know, Pastrami Nation for, you know, uh, been writing for them for a while and I was able to do it as press. So I went for my first time uh, and I absolutely had a blast in 2017. And every year since I've gone to every comic con I can. And the two main ones that I go to, uh, Rose City Comic Con here in Portland and Emerald City Comic Con up in Seattle. Emerald City Comic Con, even though I've only been to two, Emerald City is my all-time favorite Comic Con. Every year I go, it's absolutely, it's so much fun. We always have a blast. Um, this year was the first year I actually went with my entire family. Normally I just go with maybe my son or just me. This year we took, um, my wife went, my daughter went, we all went, um, and we just had an absolute blast there it's always a good time the city of seattle is my favorite city like I, I i i'm from seattle i love the city so much it's one of my favorite places uh and i'll get any opportunity i get i will go to seattle um and comic con just has a really cool seattle vibe to it every time it's just got a a feeling all of its own and it's just always just a blast and comic con in general you know, it's that place you can go to completely be yourself. You can let down all your guards and just have a blast, like be who you are. Everyone is there to celebrate their fandoms or nerdums. And not everyone likes the same things, but everyone there respects each other's things and everyone talks about it. And everyone is just, it's just this really, really cool group of people who just get together once a year to just celebrate nerd stuff and it's That's such a good feeling too. It really yeah. is. It's an incredible feeling. Like every time I go, like I'm, that's my, that's the event I look forward to every single year because it's just that you just let loose, just be yourself. And it's incredible. You're around your people and it's just uh, such a great feeling, such a great vibe. Uh, yeah. We went with my family this year. We got to, um, we got a photo op. We got to meet almost um, pretty much all of the original cast of Scream, which was just like a dream come true. Um, Nev Campbell, Skeet Ulrich, um, Matthew Lillard was like standing right behind me. Like it was just insane. Jamie Kennedy. Um, and it was just, uh, my wife loved it. My daughter loved it. Uh, my son loved it. I loved it. And it was just, cool. it was, yeah, it was a blast. We, we had so much fun. So yeah. Uh, Emerald city comic con. If anyone's ever up in Seattle during the time, definitely check it out. Um, so yeah, guys, so that's our top five of 2023. Um, thank you guys for doing this, man. That was a lot of fun. That yeah. was really, really great. Um, really, really appreciate you guys coming on and, uh, hanging out. Um, Brandon, where can they find you on the interwebs? Um, where can they find your podcast? Yeah, so uh, yeah, I am the um, one half of the host of the Cinemass podcast. I do the show with my brother every week. Um, 
we kind of bring two sides of the film going experience. There's <laughs> me, the the cinephile, and there's my brother who is, you know, he likes to call us the director and the dude. Um, <laughs> I love he is like just kind of your every guy um, film goer. And so we talk about uh, movies every week, whether it's we're breaking, we're currently this year, we're breaking down uh, the IMDb top 100, 10 movies at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, you know, in between we're doing stuff like we just did evil dead rise. We did crouching tiger, hidden dragon. Uh, we have this new star Wars episode coming up actually in may is our Westerns month. So we're kind of focusing on some Westerns. Um, so yeah, you can find us anywhere. You find podcasts, uh, the cinemas podcast, you know, we'd, we'd love to have, you can also find us on Facebook where, we ha- have a lot of kind of interactive stuff, post a lot of questions and people kind of commenting and things like that. Uh, you know, I, I like to ask a lot of questions like, you know, what's your you know, favorite uh, fight scene in a movie of all time or whatever, you know, and lots of cinematography posts and rankings and, you know, trying to get people to just talk movies. You know, you talked about a safe place to talk about the things you yeah. love at Emerald city comic-con. That's trying how we, we try and treat our, our Facebook group over there. So. Yeah, and it, uh, truly, like, I mean, this from the bottom of my heart, like, you guys are the most, one of the most welcoming groups there are out there. And also Thank just you. listening to your podcast, like, legitimately, it's like, you know, it, it's like just hanging out with friends who like to talk about movies. And that's one thing I do really, really like about your podcast. Cool. That's and what I, we're we're going for. So thank yeah, you. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, it, it's great. So thank you. Um, Christian, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me at all the normal places, Christian Nacorda. Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Christian Nacorda No Spaces. Also, if you guys are interested, uh, there's still availability uh, at Brainstorm. And we're also doing something new at Art Center. So uh, cool. we are doing a new thing where you don't have to be enrolled and you can take classes and learn Art Center stuff without being enrolled at Art Center. So that's pretty cool. Um, check it out. Um, ACX, I think it's called. But yeah. Well, that's awesome. Uh, yeah, definitely check that out. There's a lot of they're doing a lot of cool stuff over there. Um, also, um, you know, shameless plugs. We do have uh, Geek Galaxy with Yam and the Boys, which releases every trying to do it every Thursday. Um, but check that out. Christian is a co-host on that. We also have two other co-hosts, Yam and Nickish. Um, it's a really really fun show. Um, very similar to this, except we dive a little bit more into some of the topics and stuff like that. And it's all, a lot of the focus is on mental health and just kind of being your nerdy self and, and just, you know, being able to, you know, express your, your love for things. So it's really, really awesome. Uh, so check that out. Uh, My Public Life as American Nerd obviously comes out every Wednesday. And uh, yeah, uh, also check out pastraminationcom um, You could check that out. We have a podcast every Tuesday night, a live live stream podcast. Um, and we also check out the website. There's some really, really great reviews and, and stuff on there that we do. So, yeah. So thank you guys for joining us. Thank you guys for checking it out. Season seven premiere of My Public Life as an American Nerd. And uh, you guys take care of yourselves and each other. We'll talk to you guys later. Have a good night.